Wow, glory. Are y'all ready? Well, y'all can't do me like y'all do Keith. I'll tell you ahead of time for people that's not been here before. I don't let y'all be quiet. Y'all have to help me out. Keith's been preaching a day or two longer than me. So uh, y'all have to help me out. I was thinking last night as he was preaching, I didn't have a clue what he was going to teach on, but he always just sets me up so good when he does that sort of thing. So um, we'll go on tonight with maybe the practical side of some of the things that he said because um, he was talking about honoring And I'm going to talk about the practical side of some of the things that he said. A while back, I was talking with somebody, and they were talking about how they were engaged to be married. And we were talking about what they had done with each other. And uh, I said, well, did you do this with them? And they said, no. I said, have you done this with them? And they said, no. Well, do you know this about them? And they said, no. And I just kind of looked at them. I said, well, when are you going to find all this stuff out? Well, I guess after they get married. That's kind of the wrong time, right? Well, what happens with people is they go and uh, they say, I do. And they have their wedding cake. And then they move in. And then what happens? They find out about each other. And that's kind of late to find out about each other. Because they've been... um, Showing that they were someone else and then all of a sudden that they're someone else sometimes. And you don't want to find out then because they've been pretending that they're somebody else for a little while. And um, they've been putting their hair up and now they're letting it down. And then now they're, they're not putting it up at all. <laughs> if you get what I mean. They're just kind of letting it go. So... Uh, As time goes on, you kind of go through the changes that way. It's kind of like when you first get married, it's kind of like you're still dating just a little bit. Then you go on just a little bit, and uh, you loosen up just a little, and you figure out some things about each other. Then it's like, they're not going anywhere. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I do or what I look like. They're staying. Well, that's not always the case, as you'll know about today's society. What's the divorce rate now? Does anybody know? Not good. Not good. So we don't want to be that. We as Christians are supposed to be the example to the world. We're not supposed to be the same as the world. We're supposed to be the example to them. But how can we be the example to them if our marriages are falling apart just exactly the same way their marriages are, at the same rate their marriages are falling apart? Is there any difference between the marriages in the church and the marriages in the world? There should be, but is there? I mean, sometimes you come to church and you see, well, this person's sitting with this person today and next month they're sitting with this person and they're married. And you kind of go, huh? That ought not so to be. It's like he said last night, you just don't fall into love and out of love that way because people are not getting to know each other. So there's ways to fix things. There's ways to make things work in your marriage because anybody can quit. We're in a quit society. If things don't go your way, you just up and quit. You up and quit your job. You up and quit your kids. You up and quit your man. You up and quit whatever it is. If it's not perfect for you, the easiest thing to do is just say, okay, I quit. And that's what people do with their marriages so often. 
But we don't have to be that way. We have a better way of doing things and finding out about things. But the way that we have to choose to be different from the world is we have to do what the Word says to be different from what the world does. That's the only way that we can be different. If we do exactly the example that the world gives us, we're going to have the exact same results that the world has. And that's what happens so many times. I don't know about you guys, but that commercial, Keith kind of alluded to it. I've been on a commercial rage for 10 years probably, and it is a rage because it irritates me really, really bad when I see a commercial that calls their husband a jackass. And I know that's a crude word, but that's what they do. Have you seen the commercial? It is just plain crude. I think, where do people get off doing that sort of thing? The husband is that, and the kids are pigs, and, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's the commercials that we're supposed to be watching. And that's the example that we have before us. Well, where do we separate what we believe and what the world believes? What is our guideline to separate that? There's only one thing that can divide us from the world. It can't be the people that we work with. It can't be the people that we see every day. It can't be the televisions. It can't be the songs. It can't be what you feel, because that'll be wrong. It has to be what we see in the Word. That's the only thing that will save our marriages. It will save our lives. So many people are searching for God. Why aren't we getting the answers to our prayers? And we touched on it this morning. Why aren't we getting our finances? Why aren't our children getting healed? Why aren't we getting the jobs that we want? Why aren't we getting all the things that we've been believing for for so many years? Why isn't our faith working? We'll just read First Peter. Because your prayers are cut off. If you're not doing the things in your marriage that you're supposed to be doing. It's impossible to have faith for things from God when you're not doing what God says. And marriage is one of the things that he says your prayers will totally be cut off. So I want us tonight to look at a couple of things that will totally help us to get set free and get our prayers answered. Get things that we can be totally separate from the world. And I'm excited about it. I mean, because the other night I was reading and um, I yelled. I always tell Keith, I always share with him what I'm going to speak on. And sometimes I think he gets close to stealing it, so I have to watch, you know. (laughs) No. So I'm laying in my bed and I'm yelling and I yell at him. I say, come see, come see, come see. Because I get so excited about what the word says. When you get revelation from the word, there's nothing like it. I mean, it'll just set you free. When you see something different from the word that you've not seen before. And as much as I've studied on husbands and wives and I was reading it, you know, and I thought, wow, I've never seen this before. You know, and I called him in there, you know, and I thought, this is really, really good. So I know you'll get as excited as I am about it. So turn with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. We're going to start tonight with the head of the house. Why not start with the one that's responsible for everything? I like that part because then if anything goes wrong, I get to blame it on Keith. Right, ladies? Okay. It's easier that way. We'll start. We'll read the the first part. It won't seem like we're starting with the guys, but we really are. Ephesians 5, 22. 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord does the church. Now, I want you to just hang in with me. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and I want you to see if you can catch what I caught reading this. So pay close attention. We're going to read from the Young's Literal now, just 25 and 26. The husbands, to the husbands, love your own wives, as also the Christ did the assembly, and he did give himself for it, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it with the bathing of the water in the same. Now, the message was my favorite. I just shouted when I read it. It said in verse 26, Christ's love makes the church whole. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving not getting. His words invoked her beauty. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor, since they're already one in marriage. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? God's words translation says, with spoken words. Are you getting it? And then the complete English version says, by the power of his word. Now, let's read something about the wives. Now, just hang on to those thoughts just for a few minutes. And we're going to go and read about what it tells the wives. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. It says, You wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plaiting of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. 
even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now let's see if you can pick up the ladies part. First Peter in the Amplified. It says, so that if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over, not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. The New Living says, if they refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over, observing your pure and reverent lives. The New American Standard says, they may be won without a word by the behavior of the wives. The complete Jewish says, without your saying anything, as they see your respectful and pure behavior. The Good News Translation says, it will not be necessary for you to say a word, because they will see how pure and reverent your conduct is. Did you get it? The title of my sermon tonight is The Speaker of the House. So let's practice just for a minute. What is the men's job? What is the ladies' job? What is the men's job? What is the ladies' job? One more time. What is the men's job? What is the ladies' job? Now, I don't know, but I am convinced God has a sense of humor. It's like he put us down here and swapped it on us. Because our flesh wants to do just the opposite. Right? If I were to take a poll right now, okay, and I were to say, how many of you men in here this week told your wife how absolutely beautiful she was this week? Now, remember, you're in church. Half the hands went down. Okay, now, how many of you wives told your husband something they wore this week was just not appropriate? (laughs) You see what I mean? You know, it's a thing here that we need to figure out how to flip-flop. It's going on, and it's going on just the opposite of what it should be going on. And now why it happened that way, I don't know. But um, we got to figure out the way to fix it, right? Let me keep going for just a minute. It says that the men are supposed to pull out of their wives and make their wives be what they want them to be with their words. That's what it says. Just like Christ did with the church. Now, it didn't say that it's supposed to teach them. 
is supposed to do it in such an admiring, wonderful, encouraging way. Invoke their love. I'm going to give you a way here in just a minute. You're going to really like this part, men. <laughs> and then women, it's supposed to be with your actions or your behavior. It shouldn't really be that hard to figure. Last night when Keith was talking about affairs, I just had to start writing really quick because I thought immediately. Now you think about it just for a second. When somebody begins an affair, what is the first thing a man does? He compliments a woman. He begins to tell her she looks good or she does a good job with this. Correct? What's the first thing a woman does? She goes home and dresses up. And comes in looking good the next day. Right? Words and actions. And they're happening every single day. But they've got to be happening in the right direction. God made us that way. But we must direct them in the path that he told us to direct them in and not get them off the course. It wouldn't be okay for Andrew to tell Sharon, Sharon, you're really looking sharp tonight, Sharon. You know, his wife might not appreciate that so much. Mo might sock him in the nose. (laughs) With cause. And then Sharon come in really looking good for him. That's where you get started with problems. But that's what happens. Is the actions that go along with it. Let me show you something, guys. What We have to read an assignment, right? God gave us an example. Now, why did he take up space, guys? Guys, why did he take up space in the Bible to put Song of Solomon in there? Just to take up space in the Bible, right? Because he didn't. He did run out of extra pages. He needed some more pages to stick in there, right? Let's turn to it. Song of Solomon. It's part of our assignment. And let me help you out on how you can talk to your wife. And we're going to read it from the Message Bible because it just says it's so sweet. Then you can go home and practice it. Yeah. The Message Bible. This is the kind of thing he was talking about when he's talking about bringing things out of her. Listen to some of this. It says, You're so beautiful, my darling. So beautiful. Your dove eyes are veiled and your hair, it flows and it shimmers like flocks of goats. In the distance, streaming down the hillside in the sunshine. Now look at your wife. Smile at her. Your smile is generous and full. Expressive and strong and clean. Your lips are jewel red. Your mouth elegant and inviting. Your veiled cheeks soft and radiant. The smooth lift lines of your neck. Command notice. All heads turn in awe and admiration. Your breasts are like fawns, twins of a gazelle, 
grazing among the first spring flowers. The sweet fragrance curves of your body. The soft spice contours of your flesh invite me and I come. I stay until dawn breathes its light and the night slips away. Now listen to the last one, verse 7. I mean, it's like he didn't say enough. You're beautiful from head to toe, my dear love. Beautiful beyond compare. Absolutely flawless. I'm telling you, he's laying it on, isn't he? I'm telling you what. Now, when's the last time you wrote your wife a poem like that? Or told her something like that? Now, that's in the Bible for a reason. Not just to take up space. It's in there for a reason. But let me show you something else. What did this woman think about herself? Go down to chapter 1, verse 5. And I'm going to read from the Amplified on this one. It says, I'm so black, but you're so lovely and pleasant. The ladies assured her. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, I am... As dark as the tents of Bedouin tribe, Kedar, like the beautiful curtains of Solomon. Please, listen at her. Do not look at me, she said, for I am swarthy. I have worked out in the sun, and it has left its mark on me. My stepbrothers were angry with me, and they made me keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard, my complexion, I have not kept. What does she think of herself? Not so much. So what do you think it did for her, for him to tell her that? What do you think it did for her? Do you think she madly fell in love with him? Head over heels in love with him? She was not confident with her appearance. So he takes lines upon lines And emphasizes her appearance. The area that she is not confident in. The area that she is insecure in. Instead of him saying, yeah, you're right. You need to come in out of the sun, sweetheart. (laughs) You need to find something. You know, maybe they got some kind of bleaching cream or something, you know, that'll help you out. What did he do? He writes her the most beautiful thing and ends up saying, you're beautiful from head to toe. Beautiful beyond compare. Absolutely flawless. Now, what does that do for a woman? Ladies? Guys? You want to make some points tonight? I'm hearing some comments. Good ones, though. Everybody has insecurities. And anybody can magnify them. It takes a strong person to find a way to magnify the good points in the person. Especially when that person is not confident in that area. I know over the years that has been probably a weak point of mine 
I know when I met Keith, that was probably the greatest weakness that I had over the years and probably the biggest point of contention between Keith and I. Because when we get around people, I was so insecure that I would just talk and say things that I would regret. Somebody else done it, huh? <laughs> yeah. You'd come home and you'd just open your mouth and say way more than you wanted to because you were so insecure. But he was wise enough to recognize it and didn't chew me out. Didn't He'd say, Phil, you're just as spiritual as they are because I was so insecure spiritually. I didn't grow up in churches that had word and faith stuff. And he'd encourage me. And I'll never forget the first time I spoke. Bill, just give them what you got. You can do it. I'm there throwing up. You're okay. You'll get it. <laughs> you got more in you than you think you do. Amen. And just encourage me. I know some of the staff would ask me, doesn't it scare you to get up in front of Keith when you speak? I think, Lord, no. He's my greatest fan. He encourages me more than anybody. Builds me up more than anybody. And when I was 200 pounds overweight, I'd get so discouraged. I wouldn't want to go anywhere. I wouldn't want to see anybody. And he'd say, he'd look me in the eye and he'd say, Phil, you're beautiful. It's just your confidence. You've got to do this for your confidence. You, you just don't, I wouldn't go anywhere. And he'd say, but you've made a mountain out of a molehill. Just start one pound at a time. You can do this. It's easy. You can do it. It's easy. Confident. Business dealings. Never dealt, I mean, business dealings in my life. He grew up the car trader and the business dealer. He'd say, you can do that. Just go take care of it. I think, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, you can do it. Go do it. Confidence. Building me up all the time. You can take care of it. You can hear from God. Just pray. You got the Holy Ghost. You'll get it. It'll be right. Go do it. Now, what kind of person does that make you into being? A confident, secure person. Now, if you'd have seen me 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that person. But it takes a person that is secure themselves to be able to do that. You want to pull the good out of your wife, you begin to tell her. I mean, the greatest thing that he can do is, I'm getting ready to go out, and he'll say, just like tonight, just relax. You look good, it's great. Just be yourself, go do it. Do what you want to do. I'll never forget when we first got to church. I called one morning. I don't know what was going on with me. I went spastic. <laughs> he is one minute from walking on the platform, and I guess Mike's cell phone was ringing, and I said, get him on the phone, please, now. And I, he said, I'm about to walk on the platform, Phil. I said, I know it, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to preach to I can't do it. And I had, my mascara had run clear down my face. It was dripping. It was running in every direction. Service starts in 15 minutes. I can't do it. I mean, I'd been ministering for years. He says, Bill, what are you concerned about? It's your church. 
If you just want to get up there and say hi, shout, sing, dance, do just exactly what you want to do. Who can tell you you're doing anything wrong? I'm not going to. Now, what does that do for your confidence? It's not, Phil, get it together. You gotta preach. You're more mature than that. What would that have done for me? I'd have crawled back in my hole probably. Words from somebody, especially a husband to a wife, does something inside them. A woman is looking for that security from her husband. She desires that more than she desires to eat, which is a lot. (laughs) Then the woman's side. Let's talk about it for just a minute. I know that side pretty well. I know that if I want to draw something out of Keith, me saying I'm going to do something is like, yeah, right. But me remembering that he asked me to do something when the situation arises and doing it speaks volumes. Like, for instance, being in a meeting or something and me not interrupting him because of this thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or when we were married in the beginning, I'm really good about it now, but I wasn't really good about it. It bothered him that I was late all the time. I know it doesn't bother any other men, but it bothered him. Now, I could have said, I love you, I love you, I love you, oh, I love you so much. I love you, I love you, I love you. 24-7. But what would it mean... If he says, Phil, can you please be ready? I really get tired of us being late, of us being the last ones there. You know, it's church. It's disrespectful to the things of God. It's lots of things. Please, could you be ready on time? I love you, sweetheart. Yeah, I'll be ready in a minute. I love you. Yeah. Hey, I love you. But what spoke more to him that I loved him? My action. Not my words. My action of me being ready on time the next time we went someplace. Or, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't spend so much this month. Maybe you need to watch it the next time you go someplace. I used to really like to do that sort of thing, you know? I'm better about that too, right? And we didn't have it then. Now it's not as big a deal. And he would tell me, he'd say, Phil, one day you'll have your own checking account that you can spend the money on whatever you want to spend it on. But now we just don't have it. So watch it when you go spending. And the devil would say, but you've worked hard this week. You deserve something. Go buy yourself something. You ever heard the devil say that to you? Yep. Got one honest person in here. There will come a time that you'll have it to spend, but maybe you don't then. But my actions of 
when I went shopping, not overspending what we didn't have to spend, way, way, way said, I love you louder than me screaming, I love you, writing him notes, I love you, calling him on the phone, telling him I love him. It's my action of doing what he asked me to do. Is that correct? Not me telling him things. Not me expecting him, do this for me. You do this for me and then I'll do this for you. It's my actions of me doing the things that I know minister to him is going to cause him to act the way that I'm desiring that he act. And he then be able to say the words to me that I want him to say. And it's a meeting in the middle then. He's going to want to say the words that I want him to say. And I'm going to want to do the things that... It's such an easy thing then. It's not hard. Why do you think, guys, women like love songs? Words. 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 Let's look for just a minute at something that I think will be interesting to you. Let's look at Proverbs 31. I remember one night... I made some cornbread, and it turned out so bad. And I've been making cornbread, how old, 14 years old? I ain't going to tell you how old I am now. but And I've made a lot of pans of cornbread, and it just turned out absolutely horrible. And he said, oh, it's not bad. It's okay. It's okay. Now, he could have just said some ugly things about that cornbread because it deserves some ugly things, I'm telling you. It was bad. And don't even go to my biscuits. You hear him laughing over there? He can't even hold it. I'm silent. I have tried and tried and tried to make biscuits. I don't know what it is. They just, I don't go there anymore. So uh, even the last ones I made, they were like, you know. So the first ones I made, the dog wouldn't eat. He played with it like a ball. So, um, I'm not kidding, Emma. It's the truth. But he never complained. He just constantly tells me what a good cook I am and would you cook this for me. I mean, now he could complain about the biscuits, but he might not get something else sometime. That would be a dumb person, wouldn't it? So, you get the picture. Um, You know, Proverbs 31, verse 23 says... Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders in the land. Verse 28 says, her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Then verse 31 says, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own mouth praise her in the gates. Right? What she has done, praise her in the gates. Now, look at it in the Amplified for just a second. I want you to catch something. Verse 23 first. 
3123. Her husband is known in the city's gates where he sits among the elders of the land. Now, 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. Who is in the gates of the city? What does it do, ladies, for a lady, for her husband to praise her in front of someone? What does it do for your confidence? Makes you stand taller, doesn't it? Makes you stand up a little bit straighter, doesn't it? Makes you think... He really does believe in me. He really believes in me. That's not just something that maybe I thought. After all these works that she did in Proverbs 31, her husband is the one that's praising her with his what? Words. But how can he praise her? Because of all the actions that she did. So many times what happens is, let me read this back to you again about the ladies part. The King James says, they may also without the word be one. So in other words, it's not okay to preach to your husband if you want to win him. Now, you can do it. You can do anything you want to do. But if you really, really, really want to win him, you won't preach to him. You will do it by your lifestyle and by your behavior. On and on, it said, without a word, Without your saying anything. Now that's pretty difficult sometimes. I mean, it can get pretty annoying when you've been married for uh, 15 years and the toilet seat's still up, right? Some women that really, really, really bothers. It's not a deal to me. But some women it really, really bothers. Or that they don't pick up something. Or that they don't be where they're supposed to be. Or that they forget something. It can be real difficult not to correct them. But you will not win them that way. You will go the way of the world that way. This will be what separates you from the world. Like we were talking about in the beginning. Do you want to know how to separate your life and win from the way the world does it? How many women in the world do you see that berate their husbands out in public? It's a modern thing anymore that the husbands submit to the wife. That's the going thing. But I tell you, Revelation talks about when you get to heaven, you're going to be judged individually for what you do. And 
Just because it's popular doesn't make it right. And if you want the good results, you got to do what the Word says. You can preach to him all day long, and that ain't going to change him. How many of you have been married over 15 years? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you have discussed heavily the changing of something, and it's still exactly the same way? Keep your hands up if it's that way. Yeah, look it. Over that 15-year period. It doesn't work. It doesn't change that way. Prayer and faith changes it. Him saying the right things and her acting the right way changes it. Because that's what the Bible says for us to do. That will bring the results that you're looking for. Proverbs 31 says that he will praise her in the gates. If he's sitting in the gates amongst the city elders... And he says something kind about her. That's going to mean she's doing something. Correct? That's going to mean that she's had something going in her life besides just sitting around twiddling her thumbs. So many times in people's lives, they're constantly waiting. If he'll change, then I'll change. Lord, if he'll do this, then I'll do this. Make him do this, then I'll do this. Well, that gets divorce. But if you'll do what the scripture says and what Keith was talking about last night about the honoring thing, this is a practical way of honoring. It's the practical side of it. You're saying with your mouth, uh, you're a good mom. You do good with the kids. No matter if it was a bad day. You see she's had a really, really bad day with the kids. It's been one of those hectic, crazy days. You walk in and you say, you know what? I know it's been a crazy day, but you are an excellent mom. It's been, you know, wild. Phone's been ringing off the hook. You know, the kids are still alive. They're not out in the street. They're not run over, you know. And um, they didn't take any drugs. And you're a good mom. Hey, kids can get away in a hurry. You know? And maybe she did burn the bacon today. You ever tried to cook 12 things at one time? It's easy to burn the bacon. Especially if you don't feel the best today. Cut the other person some slack. Say things. I mean, sewing is a very good thing. And making good confessions over your wife is a really, really, really good thing. Say, you, for instance, like I was, trying to lose some weight. I can remember it so vividly. I might lose two or three pounds, and, and he'd come to me and say, I think you've lost some weight. And maybe I've lost two pounds, and it just brightened me up, and it made me want to lose another five pounds. What does that do for you on the inside? It just encourages you and it makes you stand taller and it lifts you up. It makes you want to take the next step instead of taking one backward. Marriage is a wonderful thing. I tell you, I am 
thrilled and happy. I couldn't be any happier. I wouldn't want to go a day without being married. I wouldn't want to go. Keith has had to correct me too many multiplied times because I've, I've said, if you go, I'm going. And he says, Phil, you better ask the Lord about that. You know, because I've said that so many times. He says, you better find out what the Lord wants. He may want you to stay if I go. And I say, no, I'm telling you, if you go, I'm going. Just, you know, and he says, Bill, don't say that. You may need to stay, you know, and it's been a constant thing because I have been with him since we've been kids. And I mean, I wouldn't know. I mean, I remember the first time he went off for three weeks. I thought I was going to go crazy because we had never been apart. Even when we did have marriage troubles, I didn't want to be without him. I can remember I was telling somebody the other day, even when we had an, a disagreement about something, all I could think about is in the middle of that disagreement was, let's stop fighting and hug. You ever been there? In the middle of a disagreement. Why is that? Because it's your flesh that's having the disagreement and your spirit man knows better. If you just put that flesh aside. We was talking with somebody the other day. I won't, everybody will know who it is, but I won't tell you anyway. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Two of the ladies were at my house the other night, and we were doing some stuff. And uh, one of them said, yeah, the marriage meeting is my favorite meeting. And the other lady looked at me, and we just kind of grinned at each other. And uh, we said, yeah, that's because you're not married. <laughs> we said, give it a year. Next year, you'll be married a year, and then we'll see how you like it. <laughs> Because you hadn't had to put any of it into practice, no. But it's good. <laughs> and the other girl, has, she's been married, what, two or three years, you know. And uh, so I, we said, yeah, let's give it a year. Let's see how you like it then, you know. But uh, it is good. It's a wonderful thing. We don't have to have the same marriages that the world has. But we do have to do things differently than what they do. We can't go on TV and call our husbands names. Or we can't call them names in private. We have to go like this. And keep our mouths zipped. Ladies, zip it. Zip, zip. <laughs> Don't tell them what to wear. Don't tell them what to do. Don't tell them where to go. Oh. Okay, <laughs> to heaven. Well, some people really are trying to tell their husband, you've got to get saved, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. That's just as bad. Preaching to them all the time. How many people you ever got saved that way? They run from it. I mean, I've never gotten anybody saved that way. Live it before them. And men, it will not hurt you. To look at your wife and tell her how pretty she is and tell her how good she looks and tell her how wonderful she cooks and tell her how good she does with the kids and tell her, even though you might not think she's the best cook in the whole wide world, find something she cooks good. Don't lie. That's the best bowl of cereal I ever had. <laughs> you got that milk just right in there. Figure it out. And the more you do that, the better she'll get at it. The more conscientious she'll become to what you do like. I mean, it's not okay 
that you're never complimenting your wife, never saying wonderful things about her. You will never have the wife that you want if you don't do that. It'll never happen. Because we made that way. And it's the same thing, ladies, for men. There's nothing better that you can do than to believe in your spouse. Believe in them. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I don't believe there's anything in the whole wide world that Keith couldn't do if he set his mind to it. Nothing. I'm telling you, he'd say, give me the manual. He'll stay up all night. He'll read the manual. He'll figure it out. Give me the manual. Where's the manual? First thing he'll say, find the manual. Get me a manual. I'll say, where's the manual? Here, Keith, read it. Tell me what it says. <laughs> I don't know how anything operates. I just, if it turns on, my phone, Dave, or I call Rob. Rob, how does this work? Just tell me how it works. Keith, tell me how this works. But Keith, he'll know. We got, blessed, he got a new car, and they wanted to go over the car with him in detail. They didn't have a clue how the car worked. He could tell them more about the car than they knew about the car, you know. And today he had some work done on it, and he was frustrated with those people because they put too much oil in his car. And he knew more about it than they knew about it, you know. And, um, well, no, you got to know about your stuff, you know. And so, no, believe in your man. Believe in him. He will step up higher and higher and higher and higher the more you believe in him. Men, compliment your wives about what they do do for you. You will draw out things in them you didn't even know they had. I never knew I could close million-dollar business deals and save us thousands and millions of dollars. But with the Holy Ghost, you can. Because you don't do it by yourself. You do it with his help. And that's the thing about us, guys. We don't have to do nothing by ourselves. So we can do anything. Because we ain't left by ourselves. And maybe your spouse isn't the brightest, sharpest tool in the shed. (laughs) But hey, hey. They got the Holy Ghost. And they can become the sharpest tool in the shed. And even sharper. If you'll believe in them, you'll pray with them, you'll believe in them. They can become sharper than any tool in the shed. Because that was the way I was. I wasn't that sharp. On lots of things. Confidence. Ministering, doing anything. I tell you what, I'm not kidding you. First time I had to minister, I threw up for days and the ladies all went to sleep. I'm not joking. God's brought me a long way. Maybe you don't think this is very good, but I think it's a lot better than what I was doing. I didn't throw up tonight. And it's all because somebody believed in me. So look at your spouse and tell them. Stand up with me. Look at your spouse and tell them, I believe in you. You and me and the Holy Ghost, we can do anything. And we'll accomplish anything. With the help of the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.